that being said, let me pray, and uh, we'll get started. Thanks, Father, for the evening and for an opportunity to be together around your word and thinking about um, some theological issues and um, your provision for us. Thank you, Father, for the sufficiency of the word of God and for its power to change people's lives. We've seen uh, just over and over how you have taken your word to transform lives, save marriages, uh, rescue people out of um, lifelong sinful patterns, and and give hope and restoration and, and turn people who have been opposed to you into those who are faithful servants of you. And that that's your word, that's your spirit, and we, we thank you uh, for that powerful word, and we thank you for the privilege of being your servants and helping others along that pathway. And we pray that as we think this weekend about the exam and think about um, the application of theology to life, that you would give us wisdom, discernment, clarity, and uh, that you would guide our discussion. Uh, we commend ourselves to you. And even this evening, we just pray for grace to stay awake, alert, attentive, and um, understanding of what you would have to teach us today. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. So we're going to be trickling in a few more. Okay. All right. Well, it is my privilege to kind of think through the exam track. My name is Terry Enns. For those of you who don't know me, I'm on pastoral staff here at Grace Bible Church. I am a fellow with ACBC. I've been grading exams for four or five years, I suppose. I've laid my eyes on dozens of exams. I've seen some great ones. I've seen some plagiarized ones. I've seen some bad ones. Um, I think my my record is um, out of 44 exam questions, 43 rewrites. So um, that was a bad one. Um, and I think that one was plagiarized too. So, so um, I've seen everything and I have a good sense, obviously, of what we're looking for because I've, I've graded a lot of exams. So feel free to ask questions as we're going along. My task in this session is just to kind of lay the groundwork of what are we looking for exa- in exams and how can you work on the exam and write the exam in a way that will be most helpful to you. Um, so let me just remind you of the process, kind of give you an overview of the certification process, just to remind you of where, you're, where you've been and where you need to be going and what you need to be thinking about. So the first step, obviously, is learning, and that's the um, ACBC basic training track. All of you should have done that already. If you're up here, that means you've already done that. Um, side note to that, once you do basic training, if you're going to turn in the exam, you have four years to turn in the exam. So November of whatever year you finished, um, or whenever whenever you finished taking that basic training, in our case, November, the clock starts ticking, and you've got four years from that November to turn it in. So if you, if, if you get up to the end, and you miss it by, say, six months, they're going to ask you to take basic training again. Now, there is an option to do that by audio, so you can just re-listen to the audio of the event that you attended, which is, I think, what most people do. Uh, but just be aware of that. There is a there is a time constraint to that, so you're going to want to um, think about that. Um, observation of, um, certifi- of, of a, a certified counselor doing biblical counseling. How many of you have done any observation already? So some of you have done some observation. So there are observation videos, and they they vary in effectiveness. Um, some of the older ones um, are maybe not as effective. Some of the newer ones, like the things that IBCD are, is, is doing, are just really, really excellent. Um, they're helpful to watch. Honestly, if you can sit in with somebody, I know at, at Grace Community, you all do that, and we do that as well, so you guys can sit in with us. Um, And that's just by far the best way to do it because it's real life, it's real people, it's a real problem, it's a real counseling situation. Then when you're done, the person leaves the room that's being counseled and now you can interact with the counselor. You know, you're taking notes and and you can say, okay, why did you, you know, they said this, why did you go down that way or why did you pursue that or why didn't you pursue this? And that's just, it's just a great way to learn. So if you've not done that yet, I would just really encourage you to do that. Um, reading 1,000 pages on an approved reading list, at least 300 of, of uh, needs to be of a theology. And when we get your application, we're going to see what you read. And I always look at 
that's one of the first things I look at in, on the application is what did they read? What did they read and how much did they read? Um, if I see somebody that read 1,007 pages, and I think that's actually one that I graded recently, that's what it was, immediately I'm going up and I'm thinking, I wonder if this guy's good, just, you know, he's a bare minimum guy. I just did enough to squeeze in under, you know, so he's read, um, you know, Paul, Paul Tripp, Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands, he read pages 1 to 92, because that's all he needed to get over the thousand hump, right? So immediately I'm paying attention. On the other hand, I've seen exams, 2,500, 3,500 pages, and I'm going, okay, this, this person is really thorough. So I would just encourage you, this is learning, right? So it's not just a matter of I want to fill in the blank and get to the thousand pages. Um, this is an opportunity for you to learn. So I would um, just in, invest as much time as you can there. There are two exams to the Certification process, the theology exam is 24 questions. The counseling exam is 20 questions, including uh, questions from three different case studies. So we'll give you a case study. Um, in, one, in the first case study, a young man with pornography, it's just one question about his situation. Then there's a, a lady that is seeking um, some um, medicine help for her depression, and there are two or three questions about her. And then there's a, a couple that's in... A marital crisis, and I think four or five questions related to their situation. And those are just really good because those are, those are very typical kinds of questions. You're going to run across those things on a very regular basis. Um, so that's the, uh, that's the counseling exam. They, uh, the exams are open book, so they're kind of like mini research papers. Uh, you're going to want to write a page to a page and a half. Um, Again, I think I graded one in the last month or so where just about every question was like right at a page or like two lines less than a page. And I won't ding somebody for two lines less than a page. The question answer needs to be at least a page, no more than a page and a half. But again, I'm thinking, is this just a bare minimum guy? Is he just, you know, is he just trying to fill the page or is he really trying to interact? Um, so don't be afraid to go on to the second page. Um, and, and actually, it's going to be to your benefit, I think, if you write a little bit longer rather than a little bit shorter. Um, we do put the page limitations on there. One, we want to make sure you're dealing with it thoroughly. So we're, you know, we're not asking for just a paragraph. We want to make sure that you can talk at some length about it, but we also don't want you to talk too long on it um, so that you can be concise, because in a counseling room, you do need to be concise. Use your own words. Answer with clarity each question and support your answer with scripture and be sure to define all technical terms. So use your own words. Now, y'all can study together. So husband and wife, it's natural to study together. We want you to study together. I think it'll be a benefit to you guys to be working on this together. Um, Or two friends get together and they study. That's common. We encourage that. But you've got to use your own words. Um, we do we do watch for plagiarism and plagiarism actually is not that hard to find. It's um, you don't even need plagiarism tools to to catch it. You can catch it on your own. And I've caught it multiple times. Um, so so just be aware of using your own words um, as as you're writing. And then supervision. Uh, we talked about that. Supervision, 50 hours of supervised counseling. So once you finish your exam, you'll be freed up to contact a supervisor. And they're going to go, uh, you're going to submit case reports for actual counseling cases you do. Every time you counsel, you'll submit a case report. You'll send it off to your supervisor. And uh, then you'll meet with him to talk about those cases. Everybody's going to be a little different. I like to talk about at least two, maybe three. Um, really don't like to talk about more than three just because I talk too much and we can't get it done in an hour. Um, but um, you'll want to, you'll be meeting with them uh, either by Zoom or telephone. I like to do by Zoom, um, but some guys will do it by, by telephone as well. Uh, you will do have to do at least 10 cases uh, 10 sessions, rather, with one person in order to finish your supervision. So once you get into supervision, if you have, 
you know, 25 cases, but you only have two sessions with each person, that's not going to count. You're going to need to go at least 10 sessions with one person. And that's basically to get you from start to finish with at least one person. And that's the goal with that. Uh, you will record five of your sessions and your supervisor will ask you to listen to that recording and then um, talk to you about that recording. He'll obviously listen to it as well and then talk to you about what, what he heard. Um, and that's just really good and uh, to learn, um, to recognize what you're doing in a session and, uh, and to gain some traction on how to, how to do that well. Uh, and just like, just like the exam, um, having a four-year limit, your 50 sessions have to be done within one year. I mean, there is some latitude. There are sometimes reasons why somebody doesn't get it done in a year. And so <clears throat> the two that I supervised last, last year, neither of them finished in a year. It was COVID, right? So it's like everybody was a little bit more lax because of, because of the COVID issue, and we all recognize that. So there's going to be some latitude there. Exam guidelines, use the template. So how many of you have already downloaded the exams? How many of you have already started working on the exams? Okay, so a number of you have. If you haven't, go to the website, download the templates, and then just follow the templates. If you if you copy and paste and put it in your own document, formatting can change. And if it is not formatted correctly, um, it's going to be sent back to you. So... On numerous occasions, you know, I've gotten an exam sent to me, and uh, they say, hey, here's your next exam. I say, great, thank you. And 10 days later, I open it up to grade it, and I look at it, and it's all formatted incorrectly. It's bullet point instead of paragraph style. The margins are wrong. The font size is wrong. The spacing is wrong. And I just pack it up and send it back to the office, and I say, he's got to reformat it. Tell him to format it the right way. So just use the template and you'll be spared that problem. Um, exams must be written in your own words. Um, use sources. So we want you to use sources, um, but but be sure to cite it anytime you use a source. So if you're if you're quoting directly from someone, obviously you've got to cite it. And even if you're getting the the big idea from someone, just tell us, hey, I got this from. Robert Jones, Uprooting Anger, pages 49 to 52. Uh, and this is just a summary of what he said or something like that. And um, we are familiar with the literature. And so uh, we can recognize those things. So just, just recognize, um, just recognize who, who you're borrowing that from. Plagiarism is... Um, where am I here? Plagiarism is considered a, a fatal error. So we have a bunch of different ways of recognizing mistakes on exams, and plagiarism is fatal. And if you get a fatal error of plagiarism, you will have to rewrite not just that question, but the entire exam. So we'll take that exam, essentially throw it away, and you start over. So you don't want to be doing about doing that. One guy, I remember, it was, it was a really poorly written exam. He plagiarized from someone who didn't do a good job. Um, and... Uh, and we were talking to him on the phone about it, and and he said, you know, he said, I just I just wanted to get the exams out of the way, and get on to the good stuff. But what he was missing is the exams are training, the exams are preparation. That's learning. So embrace it. And even if you get rewrites, I often say when I send back rewrites, don't be discouraged. Rewrites are common. Rewrites are normal. I'd say on a typical exam, ten to fifteen rewrites is pretty normal. Don't be discouraged by that and see this as an opportunity to sharpen yourself, to, to hone the way you're thinking and communicating about these issues and, and just see it as a gift from God um, to continue to train you and equip you um, in, in preparing you for, for counseling. So um, write them in your own words and don't be afraid of rewrites. Um, use essay, essay style writing. And then respond thoroughly to each of the each of the questions. So we want your questions, answers rather, to be clearly and precisely written. We want to define all terms. Uh, one of the things I see regularly, um, it's probably every other exam where someone will introduce a question. And uh, let me just see if I can give you an example of what that might sound like. So. 
um, provide a biblical definition of anger. Uh, describe manifestations of anger both in the inner and outer man. Dis- explain the biblical factors that drive anger. Detail several biblical strategies to respond to anger. And, and, and uh, an introduction might be something like this. It's important that we think about anger in the counseling room because there are many people in the church that are angry. I, I remember my, my, um, my uh, junior high pastor really struggled with anger, and then they'll go on for two or three lines about anger. It's like, well, yeah, we, we know that anger's an issue for people. That's why we're asking the question. So just answer the question. You don't need to introduce it. We know it's a good question. We understand it's an issue. Just answer the question. So when we say provide a biblical definition of anger, we are looking for a an explanation of anger that comes from the Bible. So don't go to Webster's Dictionary. Go to the Bible. Give us an illustration of anger from the Scriptures. Give us, give us what the Scriptures say about anger. Give us, give us biblical explanations of biblical terms that talk about anger. Um, so if I read a, a definition of anger, in fact, um, I've got one here. In the Bible, anger is presented as a reaction or response to a perceived evil, injustice, or wrong. Where's that from? That's Robert Jones' uprooting anger. It's almost word for word, and it's not cited in this answer. That That's where they got it from. Anger can be righteous or unrighteous. One can be angry and not sin, but more often sinful anger is the issue. Righteous anger must always be God-centered and characterized by responses that glorify God. Sinful anger, however, is selfish in orientation and responds in ungodly ways. And he goes on at some length, and he never explains anything from Scripture. Now, what he says is accurate, but it's not coming from Scripture. And so if he's in a counseling room, it sounds like he's the authority and not the Word of God being the authority. And so when a counselee leaves a room, we want them to be able to say, I know what anger is because I see it in the text, and the text compels me to change And I'm not compelled to change because of what the counselor has told me. I'm compelled to change because of how the counselor led me to the scriptures and the scriptures are transforming me. So we want to build that into you even even right at the very beginning. So... um, so go to uh, go to the questions and then um, answer answer those questions without introduction and then answer the question the way the question is being asked. Also answer every aspect of that question. So the one I just read is one. There are there are four questions that deal with common kinds of issues on the counseling exam. One of those is anger. Provide a biblical definition of anger. Describe manifestations of anger in the inner and outer man. Explain the biblical factors that drive anger and detail several biblical strategies to respond to anger. How many parts of the question are there? Four. And I am looking. I'm reading through that. Sometimes I'll just read through it very quickly and just say, did they answer all or did they attempt to address all four issues? And if they didn't address all four issues, then it's an automatic rewrite. I, you have to address every aspect. Now, you've only got a page and a half, so you've got to do it concisely and clearly. Um, but I'm looking for that. The last part of the question, detail several biblical strategies to respond to anger. I'm looking for how are they, how's this counselor going to use the Bible to help the counselee? So where in Scripture will they take them to correct the anger to give a new pattern of thinking, um, etc. So we're looking for specific biblical uh, biblical responses. Um, we've talked about using terms biblically. Use theological resources. Uh, you should have um, sources like uh, Heath Lambert's Theology of uh, Biblical Counseling. You should have something like uh, Biblical Doctrine by... Um, by John MacArthur, or you should have the Moody Handbook of Theology by Paul Enns, or somebody like that that's going to help you think in theological terms. And so we want you to use those questions theologically. Um, I don't don't know what the other graders do. Um, I am just big on making sure that the counselor in writing the exam is using Scripture to authenticate... um, 
what they're saying. So Paul tells us in Romans 15, verse 14, he says, Concerning you, my brothers, I myself also am convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness. So he's talking to the Romans. He said, I I understand, as I'm told about your reputation, that you are good people. We've seen you grow in the goodness of Christ. You're morally good. You're filled with all knowledge. You've been trained. You've been equipped. And able also to admonish one another. That word admonish is the word nutheteo. It's, it's exhort, it's, it's compel, it's confront, uh, it's admonish. It's, um, it's a word that loosely is translated in some places, counsel. I don't think counsel is strong enough, but it, it's that I'm, I'm in that person's life and I'm, I'm involving myself in them. And they do that, that's done because they have been equipped with the scriptures. They have all knowledge, so they have the ability of this. They have the knowledge of the scriptures that equips them to change and transform people. And that's that's very much what I'm looking for in the exam. When I'm grading, I'm thinking: Is this person interacting with the biblical text enough to help a counselee? I'm thinking as I'm reading that question: Would a counselee be helped with this answer, and would a counselee understand? how this is coming from the scriptures. On the theology exam, it's kind of just almost by default easy. So, you know, one of the questions is, explain the Trinity. Well, how can you explain the Trinity except by going the scriptures, right? But how do you counsel someone who says, um, essentially, um, I want to go to the doctor to get medicine for my depression, and so your, your, your knee jerk is to say, don't do that. There are better ways to do that. And that's what, the way a lot of answers go. Instead of saying, there's authority in the Word of God, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scriptures inspired, all of it is profitable. And walking through that, or 2 Peter 1, 3, or Psalm 19, or Psalm 119, there's hope. Psalm 42 and Psalm 43. Let me show you how God has answers for depression and discouragement. And there's a reason to go to the doctor to see if there's some underlying medical issues that are tempting you towards depression. But God has answers for depression. Let me show you where they are. That's what I'm looking for in that exam question. And I don't know how many times I've said, theology exam, great, pass. Get to the counseling exam and I'm going... That poor person, they, they lost their Bible. They don't have their Bible anymore. Someone took their Bible from them. So a theology exam that's loaded with Scripture and a counseling exam that's devoid of Scripture, that's a very common problem. So just make sure you're answering all the questions thoroughly and uh, with the Bible. I, I don't know how many times I've written on an exam. You want to be overtly biblical. So just be clear, this is from the Bible. Um, As you're giving your answer, begin your answer with what you believe and why, and then explain it in your own words. Um, A good example of that, and I don't don't have the full exam in front of me, but uh, Theo 3 is about um, the gift of prophecy and ongoing revelation. And a very simple way to say that is to say something like, I am a cessationist because, or I am a continuationist because, and here's how that's going to carry out in the counseling room. So just be clear. Or I'm egalitarian, and here's why. That's probably going to be a fail. But, or I'm complementarian, and here's why. And in fact, that particular question, it asks, it asks specifically for you to state whether or not you're egalitarian or complementarian um, and, and then provide a reason for that. When you're, when you're answering questions, a lot of times you're going to be, you need to be using scripture. Don't write out the whole passage. So, you, you know, Psalm, uh, we'll talk about this, uh, I think, tomorrow um, on the attributes of God. Psalm 1, Psalm uh, 9, uh, Psalm 139 talks at length about the different omnis of God, his omnipresence, his omniscience, and um, his omnipotence. Well, that's like 24 verses. Don't quote the whole psalm. 
but you can tell us we know of the omnipotence of God because, and, and pick a phrase or a, a part of a verse and quote that. Um, so don't give the whole verse, but do recognize, you know, do, do give something of the verse and then uh, explain how you're going to use that verse in a counseling room. Uh, same thing with general quotations. If you're quoting from MacArthur or Grudem or somebody like that, that's great. Just be concise, right? You have a page and a half. Uh, this isn't a 15-page paper. Uh, you have a page and a half, so use use that space sparingly. I know that Grudem and MacArthur say it better than you. They say it better than me, so I get that. Um, but we want to know what you say. It's unlikely that when you're in a counseling room, that you're going to be pulling Grudem and Adams and Lambert off of the shelf and opening up and reading to them. You're going to be using your own words, so use your own words on the exam as well. So you can summarize and explain what Grudem and MacArthur and Adams and the rest say, um, but use your own words. That, that will by far be more helpful for both you and for us. Um, Exams are going to be in two Word documents. That's the way they're on the website, so that's not a big deal. And I think it's by default set up so that you put your name in the header, uh, in the header, and just be be sure to do that so that we know uh, whose exam it is, so we don't get get entangled with other people's exams. Um, formatting: You're going to use one-page margins, one and a half spacing, 12-point times New Roman font, and it's not. Well, some of us are OCD. Actually, some of us are CDO. You know what CDO is? I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, you're you're in that, yeah. So CDO is a lot like OCD, except the letters are in the right order, the way they should be. So, so it's not that at at ACBC we're 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 OCD about that, but it it's just a way for us to evaluate: is everybody using the same amount of words? So it's just it's just um conducive to getting consistency and length and structure. Um, if you can, uh, when you get to the end of an answer, use a page break at the bottom. Don't, don't hit the carriage return until you get to the bottom of the page and then start the next one. Um, it's just easier to do a, um, a page break at the bottom when you get to the end of a question. Um, let's see. Yes, ma'am. So I've just been doing most of this work kind of with my hand, and I've started putting some on the computer. But when you go, do you actually enter into an exam time? No, you're going, no. It's all on. It's all, you can, and then, you work on it, and then you will submit everything all at once. So you'll go on to the ACBC website. There, there's a portal where you will apply and you'll have all your documentation. So you'll have your two exams. Um, if you haven't done it yet, you can download also the references. You'll need a reference from your pastor and a reference from uh, a coworker, someone else in ministry that knows you well. Uh, you'll need a letter from your church that affirms that you're a member in good standing and you're going to be counseling under the authority of that church. Uh, and then on, so you'll submit all that stuff at the same time. Um, the letters of reference will be submitted by them individually. They'll also log on to the ACBC website in order to submit those. They'll, they'll get a link from ACBC in your application to do that. And then um, you'll f- complete the application online. So there's eight to ten questions um, wanting a testimony of your conversion um, some basic questions about any other alliances you might have organizations that you belong to and we're particularly interested there in knowing if like you're a licensed professional counselor by the state that kind of thing um, we're going to want um, an explanation of what you what you think about counseling, so what's your philosophy of counseling and that kind of thing. All that stuff is submitted at the same time. So you're not going to do any of that until your exams are ready to go. So you're going to start working on your exams tonight and because you have time <laughs> and uh, it's going to be fresh in your mind and you're going to 
start typing, making notes, and then when that's all complete, then you'll just submit it as one large package. So, th and that should be on the website as well, the, an explanation of all that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that that's fine. Um, we're just going to ask you where were you, where were you where 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 did you do basic training? We'll ask for that. And you should, like, if you did it here, um, we have a record of that. And it used to be... Yeah. So yes. We, we still have a record of who attended. Okay. So um, we'll have a record of that, and we can, we can verify that with ACBC. Um, questions are numbered. That's all part of the um, template that you're going to download. Um, exams are written or graded on a pass, rewrite, or fatal error. So on every question, right at the top, I highlight the question, and then in the comment section in Word, I write in capital letters either pass or rewrite. If it's pass, I may or may not add something. Typically, it's something like, good job, well done, clear. Um, if it's rewrite, I will typically put rewrite and then give you a one or two sentence explanation of what I'm asking for in the rewrite. So like on the anger question, I might say the first, second, and fourth parts of the question are fine, but the third part of the question was not answered, so here's what I'm looking for, or here's what you need to do in answering that third part of the question. Uh, or I may say rewrite, see comments below, and as I'm going through the exam, I'm making comments in the margin on the side and giving you some feedback. And... Um, I can give you, in fact, some examples of that. Um, um, so in the exam on anger, I wrote this. What you have written in this paragraph defining and explaining anger is excellent and right. However, the question asks for a biblical definition, and you have not demonstrated anywhere where these statements or aspects of anger are found in Scripture. As biblical counselors, our task is to demonstrate these truths from Scripture so that Scripture is the authority and that we are not the authority. And so, you know, I'm giving him direction there. Please use your... <laughs> that's the nice way of saying, use your Bible! <laughs> um, another part of the question, um, the last part of the question is, how would you um, use a, well, let me just read it, uh, detail several biblical strategies to respond to anger. And about, on that part of the question I wrote, the question asks how you would use scripture to hand, help an angry person. Use specific biblical texts to demonstrate how you would counsel someone with ungodly anger. So, all through the question, I'm doing that. Um, anywhere from two to four times in a question, I'm giving them that kind of feedback. So um, you'll ha you should have some clear direction if you're getting rewrites on on what to do. Um, on a pass, you may or may not get comments. Sometimes I'll put comments, um, you know, some clarification things. Um, a lot of times it's just good job, well said, clear those kinds of things. Fatal error, you'll get a phone call from us. So if there's something that's just traumatically bad, um, it's my responsibility to pick up the phone and call you to talk about what went wrong on the exam. Um, typically, that's going to be a plagiarism kind of issue, or it might be something as, as simple as um, you've been at it three times. This is the third time I've done rewrites. You still have a significant rewrites. You know, what's going on? And in fact, I had one of those about a year ago where I just kept reading it and reading it and the guy just didn't seem to be getting it. I finally called, emailed his pastor and said, um, hey, can I talk to you about this person and um, and just talk to him about the exam? And I just said, honestly, if, if he's in my church, I'm thinking I, I, I'll be having a conversation with him saying, I don't think this ministry is for you. And um, And so I got on a three-way Zoom call with the pastor and this guy and uh, had that conversation with him. And so 
you know, it wasn't, it wasn't that there was anything overtly wrong with any of it. It's just after several times, it just became clear it's, this ministry probably isn't for him. Um, and so that necessitated a phone call. Those are going to be rare. I mean, I've done dozens of exams and I think I've made four phone calls. So it's, it's not typical that you're going to get those kinds of things. Um, exams requiring significant revisions have the potential to postpone the certification process until further study or growth can be demonstrated. Um, but again, that's a, that's a learning opportunity. So a couple of times on exams as part of the exam rewrite process, I've necessi- I've asked, demanded people to do things like you need to read another thousand pages and I've given them specific, some specific things to read, um, I think at least twice I've said you need to attend an exam preparation track just because it, it just seems clear that you don't understand the issues um, and given them several op- options to do that. So, um, and again, this is, this is an opportunity uh, for that person to, to grow and to change. Typically, uh, the standard is when you get rewrites, you'll have three months to do the rewrites. Um, in general, we're pretty lax on that, so that if you if you write in and say, hey, I need some more time because, um, and then give us some valid reasons, we'll typically give you some additional time, including, hey, I, I had to do 25 rewrites, and three months just wasn't long enough to do that, and that's fine. We're, we'll, we'll give you some, um, some latitude with that. Interact with your grader. When I send an exam back, I always include my name, always include my email, and say, if you have any questions, if I can clarify uh, what I've written for you, um, please ask. In fact, I had a guy ask uh, uh, contact me one time, and he said, hey, on this question, I don't remember what the question was, you said this, and I don't understand. It seems to me like I answered that in the question. And I reread it, and I said, you're right, you did. You don't need to do any rewrites, pass. Uh, I don't know what I was thinking, but it's it's fine. So if you think, hey, he got it wrong, feel free to ask. Um, other times I've had people ask and say, hey, what kind of things are you looking for? What are some resources? Uh, we've got lots of resources. Just ask us, and we're help, happy to help you with that. Um, be humble about that as you're thinking about um, getting graded, um, it's a learning process, and the Lord is shaping you. He's not just working on preparing you as a counselor. He's working on your spiritual character, and so it's an opportunity for you to, to get that. I remember when um, Randy Patton was my supervisor for uh, my counseling training many years ago now, and I'll never forget one particular phone call uh, we were li- we were interacting on a recording that I had done for one of my sessions, and he said, "Okay, at minute thirty-seven, or something like that, minute thirty-seven, you said, in response to this comment from your counselee, why did you do that?" <laughs> I remember thinking, I didn't say it, but I remember thinking, "Cause I'm an idiot, Randy, and I need your help." <laughs> so. Um, and Randy, Randy was very gracious to me, and we've become good friends. But, uh, but just be humble, and just, 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 just understand this is training. You're gonna need correction. I tell, I tell people that I'm now supervising. Um, look, I'm on your side. I want you to finish as badly as you want to finish, because the longer I have to go with you, the longer it takes me from getting to somebody else. So I want you to finish. I'm your biggest cheerleader. So when you hear me correcting you. Don't hear that as, oh, he hates me. No, he's on my side. He wants to help me, and this is an area where I need some change. So just just embrace that part of the question. Um, the, uh, theology question 21 uh, is stated this way. Explain the role of the Holy Spirit in the Christian life, describing the importance of this role in the counseling process. Um Part of the answer to that question is the Holy Spirit is transforming the counselor as well as the counselee. And this exam and then the supervision phase is part of what God is using to shape you and mold you and prepare you to be um, an an able and fit counselor. Um, 
guidelines for graders. So you have guidelines in taking the exam. I think it'd be helpful for you to know what ACBC's ex- expectation is of me. And, and one of the expectations is I have a responsibility to model biblical principles in the way I correct you. So words always ought to be becoming of Christ. Words always ought to build up, to edify, to give grace, even when they correct. And so when you get an exam back and you get comments, you should have the expectations that they will be given in that way. Um, We had Stuart Scott out a number of years ago for a men's conference, and I was sitting at lunch across the table from Stuart, and he said, hey, um, he had just taken a new position at, at ACBC. And I said, so how's, how's the new position going? And, you know, how's, you know, what's the learning curve or whatever? And, and he said, oh, he said, you know, we've, it's, it's been good. And we had this one, I had this one lady um, contact me recently about an exam that she got back. And she said, you know, the, the, the grader just was unfair. The, the, the grader didn't, didn't read well. And he was, you know, went on and on about how bad the grader was. And then he looked me in the eye and he said, you were the grader. And I just went, oh, no. <laughs> and I remembered the exam. He told me who the person was. And then he said this. And he said, I read through all of your comments. And he said they were gracious. They were helpful. They were clear. They were appropriate for what she had written. And he said, in fact, she's the kind of person that we do not want in ACBC. So that was one of those big, for me, right? (laughs) So I dodged the bullet. But that, that ought to be the way every grader responds. And I'm always thinking about that. What if, what if this lands on Stuart's desk? Um, what's, what's Stuart going to say if he reads my comments? Are, are my comments said in a way that I'm not going to shrink back and pull back? And I often think about, I, I will if I can. So um, when I get an exam, it'll say, you know, I'm from, the counselor's from Grace Community Church in Glen Rose. And I'll go look, I'll go to the church website. I'll look up the church. I'll look at the pastor. Um, and I'll see if I can find a picture of the person who's turned in the exam. So sometimes there are people on staff, sometimes secretarial staff, sometimes they're ministry leaders, and I'm looking for a picture so that when I'm grading the exam, I can see Jonathan's picture. I'm, Jonathan's face is in my mind when I'm grading the exam, and that helps me to think about, I'm just having a conversation with Jonathan, and I want my comments to reflect that kind of a, back and forth with him. And again, you should you should expect that. We will hold applicants to a standard of quality that reflects their position as beginning counselors. So there's a standard that we have, you know, so we're going to ask for some rewrites in certain cases, but we're not asking for theological treatises. We're not we're not coming to you expecting you to be writing on the level of John Calvin or Martin Luther or John MacArthur, right? So we understand that some of you haven't been in school. I don't know about some of you, but I've seen exams. People haven't been in school in 40 or 50 years. And they've done lots of reading, but, you know, the academic thing is way behind them. And we get that, and we understand that, and we're going to grade appropriately. On the other hand, if I get um, if I get an exam where I know the guy's on staff at a church, he has a seminary degree, the bar just went way higher. And where I'm going to cut some slack to a person um, who may may not have a seminary education and um, and may be a lay person, and you know he's a plumber during the day, and uh, this is the first thing he's done academically since he was in high school. Um, the bar is going to be very different for those two. Still have to give the right answer, but the bar is going to be really different. So just, I want you to rest with that um, and and be comfortable that we're not going to um, we're not going to be overbearing. Um, that being said, uh, we're not going to pass somebody just because she seems like a dear sweet grandma. Um, you still have to prove that you can that you can. Um, Answer the question well. We don't grade for spelling or grammar. I'm a literature major in college. When I started grading exams, my wife looked me in the eye and said, are these exams going to drive you crazy? 
And there are a few times I've, I've had to restrain myself from fixing um, some basic grammatical errors, but by and large, it's just, it's the way we talk, it's the way we communicate, and that's fine, that doesn't bother me. I'm only going to be bothered by grammar if I cannot understand what you're saying. And I have done that on a few occasions where I've just, I've, I've answered in the column and said, I, I, I need a rewrite because I just don't understand what you're trying to say. So, um, so you need to, need to answer with clarity. Uh, if there's a question about whether an answer is passable, um, I'm required to ask, does the answer reflect a person who's ready to move to the next stage of supervision? And so sometimes I'm getting to the bottom of the question, I'm thinking, uh, I don't know, it's kind of there almost, not quite. And I think of this scenario, if they're sitting in a counseling room and they've got a counselee in front of them and this is the answer they give them, will it be helpful? Will it lead them to the truth? Will it help them to change and transform? And that, that's how I'm thinking about, about that answer. Um, basics of what we are looking for. Is the question answered? Did we answer the question? So honestly, before you, before you say, okay, that one's done, just go back through it. Did I answer every part of the question? Did I address it clearly? And sometimes, if I have to hunt and say, did they answer the third part of that question? Well, it's kind of there, kind of not. At that point, I'm just saying it's unclear enough. I'm just going to ask for a rewrite. So just be sure that you've answered it clearly. Are the significant terms explained and defined? So in my sessions, one of the one of the things I do is that the very first thing as we're working through the exam and talking about the exam, I'm going to highlight these are the terms that you need to make sure that you define and explain from the question. So are the significant terms explained and defined? And understand when we say defined, defined biblically. Is the answer clear? And understandable. So you don't have to write um, like a literature major, but you do have to write with clarity. You do have to write with accuracy. In fact, I, I just um, one of the things we do here is when our counselors in training are working on their exam, we read through their exam as they're doing it. And so I read through a couple answers for one of our people yesterday, and that was my comment to her. I said, um, you are a very clear and precise writer, and the answers are great because of that. It's just, it's just really clear where she's going. She lays out Scripture well. She explains Scripture well. Um, it's just written with clarity and very discernible, very understandable, and that's what we're looking for. Is the answer supported with Scripture? So is Scripture the authority or is the counselor the authority? That's what we want to know. Does the answer reflect accurate biblical theology and appropriate biblical principles and practices? Um, I think that's self-explanatory. Does the answer align with ACBC's statement of faith and ACBC's theological position. And if you're not sure about it, just go to the website. We've got those documents on the website, and you can you can you can read them there. And let me just highlight a couple that are going to be significant. One is the question on dichotomy and trichotomy. In fact, I um, received an email. I had oh, this is a, a while back, um, but uh, Dale Johnson had been interacting with someone on the dichotomy issue, and we we washed him out. I didn't, um, but he was washed out because he was just a diehard trichotomist, and and we washed him out so that he could not continue in the certification process. It's just it's just a fundamental of who we are. We're dichotomist, and um, if you can't align with that, ACBC is not going to be the organization for you. There are other counseling organizations where you'll be fine, but not at ACBC. Complementarianism is going to be a big one, um, and sign gifts will be a lesser one. We're um, they're not, ACBC is not aligned exactly where I am on the sign gifts, but where ACBC is, is that the sign gifts need to stay out of the counseling room, that the scriptures are the authority and not any kind of other revelation. 
um, including prophetic gifting, if that's what you happen to believe in. So you've got to be able to affirm, yes, I believe in sign gifts, but that is not what I'm doing in the counseling room. What I'm doing in the counseling room is just opening up this book and explaining it. Um, and we're looking for that. Our appropriate sources cited again. I uh, don't want to beat a, uh, beat a drum here, but we are looking for plagiarism. Make sure you're, um, make sure you're citing things appropriately. Was the exam written in your own words? And you might think, well, how do you know? You don't know me. How do you know you're using, I'm using my own words? You can tell. It takes about two questions to get a person's cadence, delivery, vocabulary. And then you get to another question and you go, huh? That just doesn't sound like this person. And so you're asking questions and you're starting to search through the web. Where do they find the answer? So um, just just use your own words. <laughs> and if, if everything else fails, I'm asking, do they have a clue what they're talking about? Um, do, they, do they just really understand? That's, that's what I'm asking. Some practical tips. Understand it's going to take most people about 12 months or more to write the exam. That's about a question a week with a few weeks off for um, going on vacation and that kind of thing. Most people, it's going to take somewhere between two and six hours to write an exam. Stephen, were you at Grace Community when Stephen Yule was there? Okay, Stephen Yule was the exception. He wrote the theology exam in a weekend. <laughs> so, but, but that's just, he was using resources that the rest of us don't have, right? So his brain works at a different level than the rest of us. That's not the norm. So um, just count on most of you. It's going to take a year or more. Um, so just block it out. One of the ways that you can do is just work on a schedule. And the best thing you can do is just mark out time. So schedule time to work on a regular basis. So... Monday mornings from 8 to noon is my time to work on the exam. Or, you know, an hour a day after the kids go to bed. Or Saturday afternoons. Or um, what Keith and I both did when we were working on the, on the exams. You know, we're pastoring, we're caring for people, we're preaching, we're teaching, we're doing all this stuff. And my exam sat in my computer for like 18 months, and I made almost no progress on it. And I went to the elders and said, look, I can knock this thing out in two weeks if, if you will allow me to clear my calendar, no preaching, no counseling, no teaching, nothing except exam for two weeks. And Keith and I both did that at different times, and we were able to knock it out. And the advantage of taking two weeks of vacation, well, the elders just gave us study time to do that. They were gracious towards us. But taking a week or two, where you're working 40, 50, 60 hours a week on it, everything just kind of crystallizes in your head because you're just immersed in it. That's all you're thinking about for 8 or 10 hours a day. And that's a really, really effective way to do it if you can have latitude in your job and schedule to do that. Um, to that end, large portions of time are best. So I'd say if, you, if you're going to take 5 hours a week to work on it, it's better to take five hours in one day than one hour over five days. It just allows you to stay in a frame of thought, um, and and you're just going to be more effective. You're going to be able to get more done in that way. I would encourage you to create a designated place to study and write so that when you sit down, kind of like you do with your Bible reading, I hope you do this with your Bible reading in the mornings, you've just got a place, you go You go to you sit in that chair, and there's your Bible, there's your notebook, there's your devotional book, there's your prayer book, and it's all right there, and you don't have to go hunting and looking, everything is right there, you open up your computer, and off you go, you're ready to start writing. So if you can do that, that's going to be really, really helpful. Turn off your cell phone. Put your, put your phone in um, airplane mode and whatever other device you're using, put it in airplane mode so you're not getting any notifications, so you're not distracted. Don't check your email. In fact, what I will often do when I'm, when I'm writing like a sermon or something else, I'll put Word in a focus format. Y'all familiar with that? So it, it, 
puts a black border around your document, and the only thing you see is your document. You don't see anything else on your desktop. And it just really, honestly, it helps you focus and be attentive to that task. Um, I'd encourage you to outline your answer. So one of the things I did is I would just, as I had ideas about answers, I knew the questions, I would just go to that question and i just jot down some ideas. And then when I got to that question, I would outline what is my answer going to look like. Um, and I would do that before I started doing the writing. Write your answers as if you're speaking to a counselee. So don't, um, don't write for a professional audience. This is not a theological treatise that is ever going to be published. You know, it's not a scholarly work. You've got to be able to communicate these principles to Jonathan. So pretend that Jonathan is sitting in front of you and just tell him how you would tell him or explain it the way you would explain it to your 10-year-old. Um, so you're going to want to use simple words but clear words, precise words, and you're going to want to talk conversationally. So write like that. Uh, proofread your answers. Um, just a simple thing that I do, if I write something on the computer... I will print it and read it hard copy. I don't, I don't know what it is in the brain, but there's something that in the brain, if you look at it in a different format than in which you write it, you will find errors much more easily. So that's just a simple thing that I do. Um, I'd encourage you to do that. But however you proofread, make sure you proofread. Um, have, have someone else read your answer. So have a spouse read it. Have someone that you work with in ministry read it. Have your pastor read it. So around here, Keith and I read all the answers. Uh, either Keith or I will read all the answers before they're submitted to ACBC. We want to help you with that process. We want to give you that feedback so you're not having to do rewrites. So um, have your pastor, have another ACBC counselor uh, look at those um, questions before you submit them. Uh, resources. Buy everything you can. Right, Keith? Yep, that's right. That's right. Um, I looked today to see what deal I could find. I couldn't find any great deals. There are, there are, um, you guys use, um, digital books, Kindle. Um, you can often find stuff on Kindle really inexpensively. About two weeks ago, Wayne Grudem just came out with a second edition of his, I don't know, thousand page, um, Systematic Theology, it was available on Kindle. I don't want to overstate it, so I'll I'll go with the higher number, for $3.99. It's a $60 hardback. And it was either $2.99 or $3.99. So if you watch, you can find those things. Regularly, Heath Lambert's book, Theology of Biblical Counseling, same thing on Kindle. It's $2.99 or $3.99. So just watch for those deals. Adam's books are regularly available um, on Kindle. I looked today to see if any of his. I think the cheapest one I found today was like five ninety nine, but that still beats what uh, twelve or fifteen bucks uh, for a paperback version. So buy as much as you can. That being said, purchase them selectively. Make sure you really need the book uh, before you buy it. Uh, Kindle purchases. Church library. I know Grace has a good library. We have a library. Hopefully your church has a library. Use your church library or advocate to your pastor. Hey, pastor, I'm working on my exam. Is there any any way the church could buy some of these books for the church or for me? Um, Honestly, we give all of our counselors a book budget every year because they're investing in the ministry here. We want them well-equipped. We want them reading good stuff, so we'll buy them books. And we put that in our church budget every year. So um, ask the church to, to buy some resources for you. What would you start with? That's actually the old version of, of uh, Grudem's uh, Systematic, um, but I'd encourage you to get that one. That one's helpful. A Moody Handbook of Theology uh, by my dad. Uh, very, very helpful book. Very clear. The, the thing, and this, this isn't just about my dad because it's my dad, but the thing about that book that's so helpful is it's written, written simply. It's really clear. It's not verbose. It doesn't go on at, at great length. It covers a lot of material in a short amount of space. And so he's really concise, really articulate, and that's the strength of that book. Uh, if you're looking at theology books, um, Heath Lambert's book, I would say that's a must. Uh, you, you need to own that book. It's a really, really helpful book. 
Uh, Jay Adams, that's kind of the gold standard. It's been the standard for many years. Um, and then also MacArthur's that he edited on counseling, really, really helpful, as well as Stuart Scott's and Heath Lambert's Counseling the Hard Cases. Really excellent books. Those need to be in your library. Uh, counseling the Hard Cases, that's another one I see pretty regularly on Kindle, $2.99. Uh, not unusual to find that, so keep your eye open for that one. Questions? Comments? Yeah, you need to have it read by the time you submit your application. And your application will be submitted with your exams. So when you're submitting your exams, that thousand pages needs to be completed. But I encourage you, even if you're not starting on your exam today, start reading today. You know, you're building the well from which you're going to write the exam. Oh. What's the uh, ACBC board position on that, Pastor Keith? So... If, if she has read um, Stuart Scott's book on counseling and hard cases four years ago, but before she did certification, uh, basic training, does that count or not? Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. Good question. I think I understand your question. Um, I'm just, when, when I read, I cannot read a book without a pencil and a highlighter. And so I'm constantly making notations in the book. And then as I finish a book, I go back and I consolidate all of those notations. So I'm just putting in the margin, um, omnipotence of God. And then, and then in the margin, I'm just going back. Where, where have I written stuff in, in the margin? And then I've got a master document. That's the short version. I've got a master document where I'm, I've, okay, omnipotence, um, Lambert, 49 to 52, or whatever it happens to be. Yeah. Now, that being said, <laughs> you're going to have nine books with 42 flags on each of them. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. It is awesome. It is awesome. Um, and whenever I have post-its in books, I can never take them out, even if they're not useful to me anymore. Um, but yeah, so you're just going to want to find some way to catalog that information to keep up with it. So, all right. I guess Keith has the next session for you. Yeah.